Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it enlightens their lives. I'm Amber Barrett, and joining me again this week are Rachel Hyatt and Erin Mills. Welcome, ladies. Glad to have you back. We're sitting in the hot sun with our sunglasses on, so if you can picture that, it's kind of funny. (laughs) And masks. Uh, My co-host, Vanessa Hawkins, is joining us remotely as she finishes up her last few days in quarantine. So, Vanessa, we're glad you're back. Tell us just a little bit. Tell us just a little bit about how y'all been doing. We're good. We're good. We've uh, remained symptom-free, so that's been really positive. So it's mostly precautionary that we are staying away. We got a false. I mean, we got a, a negative on our um, test, and so we're good on our COVID test. So we're we're good. We're just waiting it out to be uh, outside the window when some where something could develop. So we're good. So a little. Maybe a little slap happy and a little um, uh, stir crazy. I, I think maybe Friday we'll do something really exciting, like go on a date to Costco. But yeah, you better watch out. You better start out a Living little less life. than that. You know, <laughs> I went there on Sunday and I sent a picture of Elmo in the hot fiery furnace to oh somebody. My. I said, "This is what Costco is." On oh Sunday. my goodness, <laughs> it's awful. Oh well, we're glad that you're symptom free at this point. So. Do say that again. You'd be excited to go anywhere at this point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Understandable. Understandable. Well, it is such a it's a crazy thing to have quarantine be a part of our regular lives. A year ago, we wouldn't have even really known what a quarantine was. We none of us rarely would have done it. And now here we are at this place where it's such a common thing that we're either have done it or we're expecting to do it. And it's part of the strange world that we're living in. And it brings me to my first things first question is I want to know for y'all, when was the first time you realized COVID pandemic was here to stay and was about to turn the world upside down? Um, so for me, um, I remember there was a staff meeting called and when we got to the staff meeting, they demanded that we sit six feet apart. And like, usually you sit kind of with your, your work friends. And I, it was really weird even because my boss and I will sit next to each other and she had to sit like they said, you had to space like four chairs apart or something like that. And so it was this big room and we were all sitting in such uh, distance from one another. And it just was the oddest thing. And then when they told us we had to work from home, that uh, was yeah. definitely the the call. But um, it was, I was not sure what was going to happen. And then when that happened, yeah. I was like, this is kind of a big deal. Serious. Yeah. yeah. So, How did they demand it, Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> Details. Move, move, move. No, just no it literally, when we walked in the door, they're like, Make sure you sit four chairs apart. I okay. think they they said it to everybody who walked in the room. Yeah. So, and it was hard to kind of do that. Yeah. It's odd. You're not used to doing that. No, no. Yeah. You're like, hey, why are you so far from me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come closer. Mm-hmm. Be my friend. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Erin? So, I remember hearing a segment on public radio talking about a lady that had been in China and she was home and was self-quarantining. And I'm like, that's bananas. And... Uh-huh. I guess at that point, it was not really a thing in America. I think she was in, like, the Manhattan area. I don't super remember. But anyway, I remember hearing about it then. And then at the missions conference, so some good friends of ours were in from the Seattle area. 
and we were hanging out with them. It was the end of the missions conference, and the guys were at Melon Mushroom. We're drinking Corona. Like, it's hilarious. Like, <laughs> you know. Corona. Being silly or whatever. And then I guess maybe that Sunday or maybe week following, Brad was on the phone. My husband was on the phone with Dan Boone, and I'm overhearing. Like, I'm hearing Brad's side of the conversation, and he is not an alarmist. He is the even keel, chillest person in the world. And so when I hear him taking it seriously, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess this is a thing. And then shortly thereafter, you know, schools Mm -hmm. closed down and here we are in November. (laughs) Who would have thunk it? Yeah. What about you, Vanessa? Yeah, I was in that meeting with Rachel, so I very much (laughs) remember that day. But I think just prior to that day, on TV, hearing newscasters use the words shelter in place. Uh, I, I don't know what it was about that. I, I, well, I think I kind of know. I, it, it was. It just felt sobering to know that we've got terminology for this procedure that's supposed to, to save our lives, that's supposed to keep us safe. And so just, just the... That indicated to me that there's an enemy outside that's life-threatening and we're to hover inside our homes to 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 stay safe and, and it was just something so sobering about that yeah when you can kind of hold it at a distance to some degree before it becomes that kind of reality i know for me i vividly remember we were in greenville with some friends on a couple's getaway and same thing, Erin. We were kind of taking it lightly, laughing about parts of it, just speculating. Mm-hmm. And that was the last weekend, if I haven't already said that, in February. And then my birthday was Sunday, the March the 8th. Mm-hmm. And my parents were in town. And I remember talking with them and sort of speculating about what was to come and what might not come. And a week later, that Sunday, the March the 8th, was the last time mm-hmm. that First Prez's doors were open. And by the 15th, they were closed and everything everything was different. So it really came so fast. And it has changed so many things that we can see. And I'm sure it's changing things that we can't see yet. And I remember sitting in my backyard not long after that happened and looking up at the sky and thinking to myself, I felt like I was in sort of like a snow globe and everything was being flipped upside down. And what should have been up was down. What should have been down had gone up and it was all a big jumble. And it occurred to me that there's nothing humanity can do to stop it. It just is. It is what it is. And because of that upheaval, It took me to a place that the study of Ecclesiastes was so much more easily applicable than I think that it would have been prior to the world feeling that upside down and topsy-turvy. So the words that Solomon's been giving to the brokenness of life have resonated with me in ways that it might not have uh, prior to have experiencing some of this chaos. You know, when Solomon wrote this book of Ecclesiastes, it struck me this morning that he was writing in a time of the greatest level of wealth and security Israel had ever known and that Israel would ever know. And so he's not writing in a time of chaos like we're in in 2020. He's writing in a time of security. And yet he had been given this wisdom and this ability to see that even though he had attained all of these things that he mentions and has experienced, yet life was still vain, that there was still vanity, that death still had the final word, that there was still wickedness and brokenness in humankind. And so even underneath that that thin layer on top of security and wealth and prosperity, he knew that 
life is vain and it's fleeting. And that was his premise at the very beginning in Ecclesiastes 1. He's writing with the purpose of saying, vanity of vanities, life is vain. And he spent 11 chapters unpacking that. And it's been great because he's given us words to put to what it's like to mourn the brokenness that maybe we wouldn't have had before. And he's also spoken of the reality that joy can't exist in the midst of that. But, you know, just now as we're getting to the end in chapter 12, it's the first time that he's going to answer the question that I feel like it's been making me ask all the way through that if life is this vain, then what's the purpose in living it? You know, what purpose is there in life underneath the sun? And he waits till the very end to answer that question. His closing words are the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And we've often mentioned Zach Eswan's book on Ecclesiastes in this podcast. Zach restates Solomon's exhortation like this. Trust God, follow what he says, and this right where you are. And that way, Zach Eswan says, our vain lives have a God-saturated purpose. So the God-saturated purpose, trust God, follow what he says, and this right where you are. Fear God, keep his commands. Vanessa, talk to us for a minute. How does this type of God-saturated purpose in life under the sun challenge our current cultural understanding of what it means to lead a purposeful life? I I love Zach's restatement of that. Uh, I think his exhortation based on that of Solomon, of course, that our vain lives have a God-saturated purpose that's loaded with just rich and relevant wisdom for wherever we find ourselves, really. It tells of a truth that I think we know on the surface, but that sometimes elude us in our day-to-day living. I can't tell you how many seasons of life I've lived and just survived through to get to the quote-unquote good season. And this exhortation essentially says all of life has been subjected to the futility of the fall, current season included, yet every second of it is purposeful and God ordained. And so we've spoken on this podcast more than one time about how celebration and grief are intermingled in the human experience. And, and there's always something to be grieved. There's always something praiseworthy in every season. And we deceive ourselves when we think one season is all one thing or the other, or that is devoid of purpose. Um, Our pastors right now are preaching through the book of Ephesians, and I've been fascinated to go back and look at the climate in which Paul spoke to Ephesus. He addressed the faithful saints in Ephesus who would have been themselves a kind of a unicorn of of the culture. It was just very unusual to talk about faithful saints in, in Ephesus. And so then there's the problem with the Gentile culture was historically opposed to the message of God's love. Then conversely, the covenant people of God, the Jews, were opposed to the Gentiles receiving the message of the gospel. And if those all weren't obstacles enough, Paul is a Jewish man writing from a Roman prison to the minority group of Gentile Christians while he himself is under Roman guard. I mean, there are just potential (laughs) everywhere. And Right. The circumstances of this cultural moment, they just seem strained a lot like ours. And so, but what does Paul talk about? Purpose. He goes right to purpose. He he points them to the lofty eternal purposes of God the Father. 
purposes that preceded any type of historical conflict, purposes that preceded his birth, and purposes that preceded the foundation of the world. And, and in an essence, in, in a sense, I think the preacher of Ecclesiastes, as, as Amber stated, he's, he's saying this now from a place of looking back. And um, he's looking back on a life that he's lived, and he's able to point out that there, even though it seemed meaningless, uh, a lot of the things that he's doing as he, he looks from a mature person who has lived through these things, um, and he's looking at those days, he's saying that all of them still, they had purpose. Um, even though he's, he's talking about the futility of the world, they've been subject to the fall, that it was purpose. And so he's reminding us that all of our days, the ones where we dwell and delight were the ones where we bear through the disquiet, that they're all part of God's good plan and his eternal purpose, that they're not arbitrary. So, um, ladies, how have the events of 2020 caused you to rethink or redefine your purpose in life? Yeah, just hearing uh, what y'all are saying right now, I think the verse that comes to mind is be still and know that I'm God. Mm. And COVID, I mean, the shelter in place, like you mentioned earlier, has been an invitation to just not do the weekly Costco runs, not have violin practice, not have soccer, you know, all those things that we normally, that are good things that we keep ourselves busy with. Um, that noise was quieted during this time. And we've really, I feel like, had the invitation to sit and reflect on what Solomon is talking about, like that the there are there is a certain amount of vanity about our lives unless it is does have that god saturated purpose to it. And I think the other thing that I was thinking of is that if we um made it through this season and we were paying attention at all, we realized that all life has dignity. You know, we've focused on loving the elderly by staying at home. We've seen uh, the different marches and um, things like that bringing attention to minorities and the marginalized in our country. And so I think that that message, unfortunately, I feel like has a secular bent on it because that message is being championed just by your average American. But I think the Christian can speak into that and say that the life has value and dignity because we are God's image bearers. And only in him do we experience true life. So even if we can level the playing field to some degree in the secular way, it's like, well, the Christian can say, hey, here's the way to true life. And not just, you know, in the hope of the resurrection, but even here on earth, we can experience that level of true life. That's good, Erin. Um, I think for me, I would say... Um, it's been a quieter season. Um, as a single person, I can tend to fill my evenings and my weekends and going and doing and seeing these people and visiting friends. And um, and I think anybody can do that. I think anybody fills their time. And I think it's caused me and many others to really reconsider, like Aaron was saying, things got canceled. We didn't, we couldn't fill all of our time with things. And um I've been meditating on a verse from Lamentations actually this week and um, Lamentations 3, 25 through 26 and um, verse 57 as well. And it just says, the Lord is good to those who hope, whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And then verse 57 says, you came near when I called you and you said, do not fear. And I think too, like 
this time has brought out a lot of fears in our hearts, a lot of fears for what the future holds. Uh, what is God doing? Why is he doing this? Um, why now? Um, everybody had like such great hopes for 2020. Um, and this is going to be our year. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> year of clear vision. And just like, it's the year of everything getting canceled and yeah. everything yeah. stopping and just pausing. And I think it's been really hard to readjust to that. And I think that it has been good for mm-hmm. me um, to really reorient and say, um, kind of what Eswan said um, in his commentary, he said, sometimes the things we go searching for are with us all along. Yeah. And I just kind of love that because I think what it's caused us to do is, is, one, we have to stay still. And two, instead of looking to other people and things to mm-hmm. give us purpose and to fill our lives, we have to look to the Lord. And and he is good and, um, and to hope in him. And I think that that's been something that has been so key for me to just hold on to and keep holding on to with like the tightest grip is Mm. I need to hope in the Lord. Only he can fulfill me even amidst this uncertain time, but even when it doesn't feel uncertain, um, I need him all the more and how blind we are to that need a lot of the time. So, um, that's what I would, I would say, Oh, it's been a hard, it's been a hard <laughs> redefining of a year. Yeah. So I love your comments there, Rachel, especially as you're relating fear to purpose, because mm. it, it's been my own experience that fear either propels me forward into it right, or it stifles my living in it. Right. And so it's, it, it's, it, it seems to be one pole or the other for me. So that right. relationship between fear and purpose, so key. So I love the lamentations passage. So good. Yeah. I love that too. And I love that you're meditating on that and the reminder to be still and Aaron, that you could say at the end of this, that it was an invitation to quiet versus a cruel, you know, sentence to Ooh, be quiet or so something good. like that. <laughs> You like that, Rachel? I like it. Invitation. I'll take an invitation. Uh, Take an invitation. (laughs) But to to think that we are at this place where we really view it that way is a grace of the Lord, Mm. you know, and and, because I resonate with that too. I think, well, how would I have defined my purpose differently before this happened? And I just, like y'all, I get so wrapped up in thinking that my purpose is to be something, to do something, to have something outside of, of the Lord, Mm. even though I would, I mean, I know better than to cognitively think that, but if I were to evaluate what I do, Mm -hmm. obviously that's, that's how I feel. And I was very busy and very busy trying to achieve, trying to do what was right, trying to whatever. And mixed with that, I also really wanted uh, a break. And so I wanted to have peace and serenity right. and I wanted to do all of these things at the same <laughs> time. And so I found myself engaging in life with a lot of resentment oh. and to have those things pulled away that I was right. asked to do. It did give me some peace, but it also reminded me that it's not just the absence of activity that I'm searching for. It's the assured, like the, the trusting the Lord and the hearing his voice. And for me, hearing his voice gets so drowned out. I allow mm-hmm. it Amen. to just be overcome with all of these other voices. So the quiet mm. allowed me to hear that. And then to also not put my hope in the fact that I'm getting rest, like rest <laughs> isn't the ultimate thing either, right? but, to, but to hear God's voice and then to trust what he's going to do in the quiet. I think that's been a hard struggle for us all, but it's so encouraging to hear that it's ultimately been a sweet one mm-hmm. and not 
and not a wasted mm-hmm. one. What are what are some of the specific circuit? And we're talking a little bit generally, but have there been anything specific, any things specifically that have changed in your life circumstantially because of COVID or just the result, any of the repercussions of that, that have changed your life and caused you to need to learn to trust the Lord or listen to him um, in your place in a different way? So for me, um, I'll get a little personal. Honestly, I had yeah. started online dating yeah. um, for all of you out there. Um, <laughs> be encouraged. Um no shame but in that game. No shame. Like There's that. a zero shame. No. Um, but honestly, trying to online date during a pandemic <laughs> is probably not the best circumstance or <laughs> the best time to start. Thanks. No. Um, but honestly, um, I've had to trust the Lord with that. And he's mm. been really faithful and has, you know, been faithful to bring people into my life um, despite you know, COVID yeah. and I've had a lot of FaceTime conversations. I've gotten really comfortable on FaceTime. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but it has brought a weird joy in this time. Um, when I know that there are people who have not experienced joy. Um, so I, I feel like, uh, something that got said in a Bible study, I think Vanessa, actually, you might've said this, that it's going to be a time where people will experience a number of different things. There will be, you know, kind of a pendulum swing from deep sorrows to great joys. No, but I kind of love that because at first when I started and I shared with my Bible study that I was online dating and had, you know, met some great people or, you know, whatever, had dated a guy or whatever, um, they would celebrate with me. And then then I, I felt guilty because there were some other ladies in that group that had been struggling with really deep and hard things. And um, things that were not at all joyful were bringing much sorrow. And so to know that the spectrum of God's faithfulness to us does not disqualify joy from a time of um, these COVID circumstances, but it also doesn't disqualify sorrow, like that it, his that spectrum covers everything um, from joy to sorrow. And so um, I feel like I've had to continue to still build relationships. And I also moved in the middle of COVID, like smack dab in the middle of it, um, into a house with a new roommate and everything. And that has honestly been a really sweet thing that the Lord has given me. I thought it was going to be rough, but it turned out to be really encouraging. And so I, um, I have really, I have learned to see God's faithfulness despite un- expected circumstances so uh, or undesirable circumstances or you know yeah so that's what I would I would say or circumstances that you think would hinder the very thing that actually ends up growing right exactly I was like why would the Lord bring faithfulness in anything that I'm pursuing right now why would he allow me to move into Mm -hmm. a great situation or why would he allow me to start dating um, and has brought great people into my life, you know, that sort of thing. So it just feels weird and bizarre at the same time. God is the God of the universe and can do anything. And so I feel like that's just like, don't tell God he can't do it. Well, to to trust him, what you're saying, that it's it's kind of a strange thing. We know we are very familiar with the fact that we're having to trust him with the hardships but to trust him with the joys. Yeah. That's a discipline too. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a good point. Just trust the good that comes from it and that he mm-hmm. means good toward you. It's a good yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I've experienced that full pendulum ride that you're talking about. <laughs> We've known, I think, the whole spectrum of that sorrow and joy all through this time. And 
I think the thing that obviously, like everybody else, the thing that our circumstances that changed the most, or we just logged a ton of hours at home and it was mainly really good. Like we are, I guess, probably, I don't know. I don't, it, we've enjoyed being home. So we've enjoyed that season. Um, but I think for us as a family and as parents and spouses, like it's been a primer in how to love our neighbor. And indeed, who is our neighbor? Are we treating our children like our neighbor? Are we loving them well? Are we taking care of them well during the season? Um, and we have um, some dear friends that live next door to us. And just because of the nature of everybody being at home. So we've befriended them. Like they've become really close friends with us and their little girls just in and out of our home all the day, all day long. And I think in the beginning, it's like, oh, wait, wait, is this safe? Are we, are we doing okay? Are we loving them well? Is this how we take care of people? You know, it's like, are we sharing germs with them or whatever? So I think just even evaluating that and putting it before the Lord, like how is it you've appointed for me to take care of the people that you've pointed, put in my life and how can I show them the love of Christ and, um, yeah, just putting that that focus on how how are we loving our neighbor well during this time. I love that. I love that big purpose of loving our neighbor well. That's the great commandment, you know. And so that's super helpful to think about when we're talking about aligning purpose. And I think what I often tell the Lord in my own personal conversations with Him is, Lord, the pursuit of my life is to know You, and it is to make You known. And so this pandemic has just, it's definitely challenged how that looks um, to know the Lord and to make him known. And initially it it was just very disorienting that the clear divide of life outside the home and life inside the home kind of all got jumbled and and combined. And so that felt really odd and stressful at times. And then yet it it felt restful and glorious in other spaces. So um, it, it made me determine though, that I would leave the pandemic with uh, a few fruit. And I was determined to leave the pandemic with a deepened relationship with the Lord. And that has played out in beautiful ways. I've gotten just very intentional time to just sit out sometimes four o'clock in the morning, looking up in the stars and singing to the Lord. That has been sweet space that I've claimed um, and, and reclaimed. And so that's been uh, a part of my fruit. Um, another part of the fruit has been deepened relationship with family. Uh, just getting to read books with my girls and my husband. And that's kind of redigging an old well for us because Marcus used to read to us at night, all of us, and we've loved that as a family. And so to go back to doing that has been super sweet, has really deepened our relationships. Um, And especially as teens and people going off to college, it's just been such a gift. Been grateful for that. Didn't know that we'd ever have that space again. So that was really sweet. Um, just greater consistency and, and, and good self-care, been very intentional about just walking my neighborhood and uh, just enjoying being in uh, nature. That's been good. And the other predetermined thing uh, that I was, I've been pretty intentional about is just re-innovating ministry uh, for this season. And the Lord, the Lord has done some amazing things with that, just um, with virtual Bible studies and with um, virtual women's conference. And uh, so, I mean, it's, it's been sweet to see um, how he has been faithful in this season. So he's to, to show us new ways to live out God given purpose. 
One of the other parts of the sweetness of this year for me also has been this sweet, sweet group of women's ministry leaders that I keep up with on Marco Polo. And so we encourage each other as we live out really a similar plight. So, so I want to ask you ladies, how has the community of believers helped you to live out purpose? Yeah, if you uh, know any of my story, you know I've relied heavily on the saints to help pull me along and just... I mean, there have definitely been seasons in my life where I'm living on that borrowed faith and hope. And during this season, I feel like that it's, I've been able to lend out of that, to use your analogy, Vanessa, that well, like the saints have filled me up over the years and feel like we landed in COVID in a good spot where um, our cup overfloweth in a lot of ways. And we were able to share of that abundance with our community and also, I think Ecclesiastes uh, 12, verse 11 kind of points to that, like the where it says the words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. And so just kind of reaching out for those, um, those mentors and those friends that, um, that you know that lean on the true shepherd and just looking to them and kind of seeing where they are and processing life with them. Um, yeah, the community that we have, has been incredible and just indispensable during this time. Gosh, um, I second that, Aaron. Like, because um, Aaron and I both live in the same neighborhood. Well, we used to. Until um, <laughs> you moved. So until away. she moved out Aaron. to the country, oh, became a farmer. Right. It's cool. Away. It's cool, Aaron. It's cool. <laughs> um, she went from a, a city mouse to a country mouse real quick. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, she's still very welcome in the city um, and in the neighborhood. So she is a dear friend. And so, but I think it's been interesting. Like we live, have lived in this like really tight knit kind of downtown community. And that has been really sweet um, to just like go on a walk and just be able to like stand six feet from somebody standing on their porch and just talk to them. And to not feel so isolated. I know that that's not everyone's experience. And I know that's not the, you know, offered to everyone, Mm -hmm. but to just be able to walk and to see and talk and know that people are alive and well Mm -hmm. and, and still they're desperate for some community too. And, and you can see kind of the hunger of like, no, come talk to me. Um, so that's been good to have that. Um, and I think just to continue to focus on, you know, special and sweet friendships, but then also, I feel like the Lord has given me some opportunities to have more friendships mm-hmm. enter in um, and just some some of them encouraging to me, some giving encouragement. And so I'm grateful for that. And I, again, there's an, this part of the S-Wine um, commentary that there's a quote from John Bunyan, and I actually just sent this to several friends this morning, just yeah. encouraging them in different seasons of their lives. And, um, and it just says... Uh, I'll I'll read it here. It says, when Christian fell beneath the waves, John Bunyan tells us he was nearly swallowed up and lost altogether, were it not for the grace of his companion named Hopeful. And so this is the quote from um, Pilgrim's Progress. uh, From Pilgrim's Progress. Thank you. And it says, Christian began to sink and crying out uh, out to his good friend, Hopeful. He said, I sink in deep waters. The billows go over my head. All the waves go over me. Selah. Then said the other, be of good cheer, my brother. I feel the bottom and it is good. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, goodness gracious, how great God gives us people to say, hey, it is, I know it is stormy where you're at. 
I know it is tumultuous and you cannot feel the bottom, but I Mm -hmm. do. And I know it is good. And just, gosh, how we need that for one another, how we need to just hold the hand of our friend Mm -hmm. or be held, our hand be Mm -hmm. held and just be assured and affirmed that God is still here in the midst of these hard things. And so I'm grateful for my little community being a hand to me saying we feel the bottom and it yeah. is good. And then being able to offer that up. Um, Cause I think um, even in the pandemic um, there was a staff meeting that we talked. Uh, in fact, I think <laughs> Vanessa shared um, that it was talking about our disappointment, how we deal with failure. And then we turn around and we encourage others mm. or we offer that. Vanessa, do you remember that? I do. I do. And that I have a sticky note on my desk on my computer screen that says, so let this disappointment do its work, which is something that Leslie Bogdanow shared actually in mm. that um, staff meeting and then turn around and encourage others. And mm. I, that has just been a really sweet reminder mm. to me in this time that this disappointment and what's going on and these hard things are not just to take, drag me down right. to the bottom, right. but are to, t- to teach me what is right and what my eyes should be focused on. And then to turn around and use that for the good of the body. And so I've been really encouraged in both directions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm great. I'm so grateful for the body. Yeah. I really am. Yeah. Such a sweet, such a sweet gift. And to have, I mean, I echo what y'all are saying. I have friends who are those things to me. Aaron, you're saying they're the voice, you know, they're right. They know the voice of the shepherd and they speak that voice to mm-hmm. me and how important that is. And then Rachel, like you're saying, they know what it is to be in the stormy water. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not laying out on the beach saying, right. swim, <laughs> you know, that they know what it is to be struggling, but they've touched, they've touched ground right. and, and they give you the confidence that you can touch ground and as be well. be a grounding for yeah, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that we're able to experience those friendships through technology that Marco Polo or I do Voxer or sending a text or that's been a a blessing, you know, in the midst of all that technology, you know, the things that we realize it can do to harm us relationally, it also offers those blessings. And then the sweetness of a community like downtown to be able to walk together that way. And um, those sorts of things are really sweet, you know, but even in the midst of the sweetness, I will say, of course, there's disappointments, there's limitations, you know, sometimes you can't go for a walk, or sometimes you can't get in touch with someone, or sometimes a great friend is going through their own struggle. And, they, they can't tell you that they can touch the bottom at the moment. And it's, a, and it's a struggle together. And so I think that we are so blessed by the community of believers. And yet we also know they're limited. And you just think even in this time, I've been reminded of the friendship of Jesus. That's closer than a brother. You know, and you say a friend knows what it's like to swim in those waters and touch ground. And Jesus knows what it's like to walk on them. And I just think his purpose in coming here uh, to trust his father, to listen to his word right where he was, was to redeem us and was to repair the things that are broken and was to bring that beauty back to us. And that's what he offers us in friendship. And because his purpose was so set, so wonderful, so beautiful, so freely offered, then we respond and purposeful life towards him. And it really is a pleasure to see those things combined together. Amen. And with that note of encouragement, we hope you will join us next week for the final episode of this season. Amber, our producer, Beth Benson, our good friend, Leslie Bogdanow, and I will be back here sharing some of our highlights from Ecclesiastes and talking to you about our exciting plans for the spring season. Don't want to miss it. Hope you'll listen in. 
Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again a season of pure shining to cheer it after the rain. 